0: Hello there and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast of animationforadults.com. This is episode 42 and we are here to talk about lots of animation topics and later we will be talking about the work of the Ghibli legend Aiseo Takahata. Uh, The reason we're talking about it this week specifically is because um, uh, Only Yesterday is currently showing in UK cinemas because... with the new dub from G-Kids, um, but it's being released in the UK by Studio Canel as part of the Studio Ghibli Forever season that's showing in select cinemas up and down the UK and some in Ireland as well. Um, and I am Chris, and I am joined as always by Rachel. Hello, Rachel.
1: Hey, Chris.
0: How's it going?
1: Going okay. It's a bit hot and uh, humid over in the US, but we're we're doing okay. Pretty hot here as well. Strange. <laughs> it's weird. It's summer. Yeah, that
0: doesn't normally make a difference.
2: <laughs> no, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> um, we are joined once again by the prodigal podcaster, returning after a couple of weeks off. Dad's here. hey Dad.
2: Hi, Chris. Hi, Hello, Rachel. stranger. Hi.
1: <laughs> Hello. Yeah. You
2: got quite it's... the
1: lead-in, jeez I got nice. the what? You got the night. I got a pretty good lead in there.
2: Yeah, I know. No, I don't know where that came from. But I, <laughs> I, I feel <laughs> like I—I I didn't do anything. To, I all, all I did was I was off and I—I I was lazy. I, I couldn't Oh, I miss you guys too.
3: Definitely.
0: Hey, when when you were off for quite a few weeks, you got a big welcome when you came back.
1: <laughs>
0: it was, yeah.
1: No, it's okay. I was ooh, just ooh. trying to make it up.
0: Yeah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh if this is your first episode you can find our back episodes on animationforadults.com. You can find them on iTunes and Stitcher and Podcast dot com. And eventually, hopefully, <laughs> we will be on um uh, the uh, the Google Play music store, but we're working on it, sorry. I've <laughs> been
1: um, trying to get the RSS feed into that and it's for some reason it's just been having we've been having trouble confirming it so uh, yeah, we'll get s- to that right so uh
0: first we're going to do our usual discussion of animation news uh, there's not a ton this week um but the first little bit of news is actually uh related to something we announced last week and that was the fact that um Momotaro and the Divine Warriors uh was going to come out in the UK from Anime Limited on DVD and Blu-ray, and mm. this is an that Well, the first Japanese animated feature ever uh, that was made in 1944, uh, and it was actually made as a propaganda film, so that's why it's a very unusual choice. Um, but it is also very influential, because uh, it was the first ever anime feature, and it also... Um, Influenced people like Tezuka and stuff when they were growing up, um, and even people like Miyazaki and Takahata, um, even though obviously the content is a bit (laughs) controversial, um, but it's interesting from a historical point of view. Uh, Well, we now know it is also going to be released in the United States and Canada uh, from Funimation, of all people. Uh, Although it's going to be very unusual it's going to be mm. known by a slight different title uh in the US uh and and Canada uh it's going to be called Momotaro Sacred Sailors and apparently it is a uh it's a new restored print that premiered at Cannes this year and oh wow and apparently Funimation actually um one of the companies that helped fund the uh restoration so uh, it makes a bit more sense that they that they're releasing it now. Uh, yeah. Again, it's it's a little weird from the studio, but brought you Dragon Ball Z and One Piece. Here's some Japanese imperial propaganda from World War Two.
2: A, a studio <laughs> which is also like a little bit notorious for um shaving the edges off things for like a very you know uh, younger audiences, basically, right?
1: No, really. less less oh, no. so I mean they, they had to do certain things for television when they had you know they were doing right. stuff for te- for TV obviously because there's only so much stuff that they can say but nah at least uh, at least with a lot of their you know straight to DVD mm-hmm. uh, dubbing of anime they've actually been keeping a lot of the original content in there
2: oh fair enough fair enough it, either yeah. way I think it would be kind of interesting to see like how it's marketed <laughs> yeah
1: Basically. yeah that's
2: I that's the big question that.
1: mark i think i mean i'm really it, it is really interesting that we're, we're getting this film in the u.s you know like obviously considering the uh the film's background it's you know i'm very just like huh really this is a good idea but then again it's just like we said before it is an interesting piece of history of you know yeah. at least in terms of you know where japanese animation all began
0: yeah i know in the uk it's coming out with like um Like with notes and stuff by Jonathan Clements, because you know. I was going to say,
2: was yeah, was it was it going to be Clements?
0: Yeah, so it'd be good if America got something similar, or you know, even just the same thing.
2: Uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure, like you really can't release a film like this without heavily historically uh, contextualising it.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: It's like those old like uh, Warner Brothers cartoons or whatever. Yeah. There's, oh, yeah. Yeah. There's be, been the issue of whether they should be, whether they should be released, and whether they should be released with. Um, oh, is it wait on Amazon or something? They released um, a bunch of things, and they they basically put like a disclaimer on saying that you know this is from an earlier time and. <laughs> mm. and I think are, that,
2: I think that stuff's great. I think it's much better than the Disney um you know, uh party line which is this stuff never ever happened. I don't yeah.
1: know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's more dangerous to do it the other way.
2: Though, though 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 mind you, I think the Disney um propaganda movies, the war the, the Disney War cartoons were released on D V D at some point.
0: Well, yeah, really? that's a, as
2: as that... part of, as, as part of their classics collection.
0: Oh, propaganda's mm. all right if it's American propaganda, Dan. <laughs> no, no, no. You just no, it's have, not. You just got that propaganda from the other side.
1: <laughs> propaganda is propaganda, no matter what country it comes from. <laughs> but yes, yeah, uh, I, I had no idea that they'd release those on, uh, on DVD.
2: Hmm. Yes, it's. I'm pretty sure quite sure I think they might be out of print by now, ah okay, I think it' sort of thing they tried <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah Momotaro and the um uh sacred soul yeah sacred sailors um is apparently Funimation have got the um cinematic rights and the home video and digital rights uh cinematic rights cool i'm I'm guessing they're not going to do what they did with Dragon Ball Z. Uh, when Probably not. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna
1: to so, hey, take kids. a wild guess and be like, mm, yeah, I don't think they're going to do that either. Hey, kids. <laughs> Why don't you come in
2: cosplay? <laughs> Hashtag kamikaze. Yeah, the best.
1: Oh, gosh.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah no. No, no. That wouldn't be a good idea.
2: Free crack
1: on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 Sorry.
1: Uh, Not sure what to say
0: after that. No. Um here's the other news that's happened this week. Um so how I know there's something that Rachel's very excited about.
3: Oh uh, gosh.
0: See, I told you. Yep. Um and I, I am also excited about, and that is the new Voltron reboot from DreamWorks Animation. Uh, uh, it's going to be on Netflix from June the 10th. Um, uh, <laughs> June the 10th, uh, 2016. And it is going to be all... Uh, the first 13 episodes can going to be available on Netflix. And they have released some footage. We've seen some trailers, uh, but now we've got some clips as well. Uh, Rachel?
1: Yeah, I think- there's... I How... I don't know how you keep doing it, DreamWorks. I don't know how you keep doing it, but... My god. You've created... They've created something very beautiful here. And it's just like, after... At least in comparison to, um... That other Voltron remake... That I (laughs) tried to like, and failed. This this seems like they actually... It's like, I continue to see more and more proof... That the people who are behind this particular series get it they they knew exactly like the best parts of the series to keep in the best to leave out etc cetera, etc cetera, instead of just trying to complete you know just purely redo this for just the nostalgia nostalgia value but hey well that's still probably very much a part of it i mean i'm 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 proof of that
2: mm-hmm. but still
1: it looks like they're trying to do something creative with it at the same time which is probably the best thing you can uh, as a fan of voltron i could probably ask for 'Cause there my god.
0: Got, um one clip is basically the iconic four Voltron sequence.
1: <laughs> Which they were already teasing way back before they were even released the official trailer, but still it was it, it's it's awesome animation.
0: Yeah, it looks it looks really good and it looks quite quite close actually, I think, to the original.
1: Yeah, but pretty it's... pretty darn.
0: And then there was another clip that was more like the character dynamics basically mm-hmm. uh, and you see more of the 2D animation there because um, it's a mix of 2D and 3D
1: yeah like the, the the robot and the lions they're all the three dimensional uh, animation and while all the characters the heroes and support characters and villains are all in the, the kind of Korra style 2D and oh it looks great
0: and then there's a third clip that's like a sort of... How would you describe that one? Sort of a montage?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a bit more of like a montage I I wouldn't say a teaser, because it's a lot longer than the original teaser was. But it's still, yeah, it's more like a montage of like various animation clips that um, take place within the series. Like We get to see a lot more like bits and pieces from the various episodes that will be released on June 10th, and that those vary from, you know, shots of the lions during action sequences, even action sequences with the main characters, like, you know, and they're, they're in their suits and they're kicking butt and taking names and just, ugh. Just, it, it's one of the other reasons I appreciate the fact that the, you know, cast from Avatar, Last Airbender, and Korra are involved with this series, because not only do they give the, this, the series a really great look, but also that they know how to handle action sequences, by God, do they know how to do, do real choreographed scenes with just, you know between, you know, one on one combatants and they're they even with the robots, they're taking that a step up. It's just like, ugh. Like I said, you guys just keep hitting all the right marks, so I'm just really hoping that by the time I tune in on June tenth, it's like it better I better see all of the what I've seen right now and more. <laughs> oh, apparently one thing
0: they've said is that Voltron isn't gonna be in every episode.
1: You know what? That actually seems like a better move. Save the, save the giant robot for when it's, you know, when it's appropriate. Instead yeah, we'll- of just trying to, for, you know, coming up with a scenario each and every episode. It's like, okay, well, we have to have Voltron here because he's the name of the show and giant robots. Like, you know, that's all well and good. But I think if you're going to tell a legit story, you can't have the robot just showing up every now and again. I mean, a lot majority of those action sequences that we saw, you do see the lions, but you don't see them form for Voltron.
0: No, it, it makes sense um, to just bring it in when it makes sense into the story. Uh, it's like the old style would have been... It has to be in every episode. It basically comes, the
1: title.
0: It comes in like ten minutes from the end or something, and we use the same bit of animation every week.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Those big good old days. But
0: they don't need to do that anymore.
1: No.
2: It's I think different. they probably will. They'll probably reuse. the... Uh... They probably no, they probably will reuse the transformation sequence. I think, yeah, which won't necessarily
1: don't... be a bad thing because it's great animation, regardless of whether or not you've used it more than once.
2: It is. I mean, uh, I don't know. Like, it it looks a lot like a typical anime to me, a typical mecha anime.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it's yeah, it's it's quite weird. Like, it just really looks like it's very safely. Tying the line, like, like kind of trying, uh, trying to recreate how the old show looked. Um, yeah, I what, what's you, you mentioned, Rachel, that they um, it's the staff from Cora. Is it gonna also is it also the writing staff from Cora?
1: I'm not a hundred percent on that. I would Do have I, to double. I would have to double check. But um...
2: because, because what would be interesting to to see is like how much the story is serialised because Netflix is like for adults, it's it's basically um, the shows they make, most of them the dramas and things are, are in like Daredevil and things like that they're in the mould of um, like serialised stories you know, like novels on TV where you have to watch every episode to get the full story mm-hmm. um, and it'll be interesting if DreamWorks um, animation also try and get that, uh, you know, just try and get that to work for kids' programming as well.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I get and, what you're and, saying. And see
2: where the kids are into watching stuff that way. Mm
1: hmm. Yeah, uh, that, that might be what this is testing. But um, yeah, it's at least from the clips, one of the other clips that they released, the one where uh, that Chris mentioned, where they do have a you know, legit scene with all the main cast of characters all hang you know doing Mm -hmm. something together um as far as the writing goes in the dialogue it sounded it it, to me it my ears immediately kind of recognize the kind of banter that i would hear from like say an avatar episode or you know legend of horror episode so i'm i'm assuming that the same people are not only just working on the animation but also in the um the writing and the dialogue as well but yeah
2: yeah, even if they're not like if it's in the mold that's encouraging and also the fact that they say oh voltron isn't in every episode kind of implies that they understand the characters are important to you know drive the story in their own right as well
1: yeah
0: i don't know enough about about avatar or um cora to tell you exactly but i know they it shares some writing stuff and Creative oh, cool. people with it. So Awesome. Uh and that my hunch was correct. Yeah, and basically the showrunners are from from uh Cora, so Awesome. So it's yeah, promising, definitely.
1: <laughs> very, very promising. Like I said, I, I'm I'm counting down the hours, minutes, seconds till June tenth. <laughs>
0: And there's a villain. There's a villain who looks like Mumra in the trailer in that most recent trailer that I saw.
1: <laughs> oh, um, oh, uh they, they, oh, God, I forget the character's name. If if it's the same character, um, that was the original bad guy, uh, in the in the old show. But he's also, but I, I recognize the other character with him, the the old witch-looking character. I mean, I'd recognize her anywhere from the old show. So it's just like they're bringing back they both her and the other guy back, and it looks like they've given the was a really awesome redesign. If this so.
0: turns out to be really good,
1: I really hope
0: Universal don't screw it up with this, since they've, uh, since people have been saying it might be the end of the Netflix deal with DreamWorks now that Universal bought them.
1: Oh God, please no! Don't take, don't take Voltron away from me, <laughs> or anyone else. <laughs> we finally have some. We finally have people who look like they can do it and do it right, and just no, leave them alone.
0: Hopefully it'll be a big hit, and then they won't want to. All
1: right, better hope so. So that means everyone, listen to this. You better watch it come June tenth, so we can make sure it stays there.
0: <laughs> so yeah, uh, by, yeah. The t- by the time our next episode comes out, vote uh, try will be up. So yeah, yeah, and
1: you'll probably, I'll probably have marathoned all the episodes by then. So I'll be able to ne- next episode, I'll be able to give you guys my full opinion on the. All the
3: episodes,
0: so. I'm, Look forward I'm gonna to that. It, I'm going to try at least watch the first one because it's now <laughs> long. Uh, so I'm going to watch the start at least.
1: <laughs> all right, awesome. that's about it yeah there's not a whole lot coming up this week i guess
0: well there's one sort of other thing that we will mention but not right now
1: uh okay
0: for reasons uh that will become clear later um but first we are going to talk a little bit about the stuff that we've been watching lately um uh i'll go first i suppose and i started off uh i've been carrying on watching Cabaderi of the Iron Fortress on Amazon instant video which is the um the one from Studio Wit who produced Attack on Titan and it's the one with the steampunk samurai and stuff and
1: How's uh, that been unfolding?
0: Right, Attack on Choo Choo is one name. Ha <laughs> uh, <or>, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Attack on Choo Choo. Or Zombie Train is the other name people call it. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it's it's continuing to be really impressive so far. I've f- about three or four episodes in so I've watched another couple basically. Um as the story's unfolding a bit more and you're finding out a bit more about the main characters who are sort of hybrid human zombie type things, which is interesting. <laughs> 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 and uh it's it's still not got the same atmosphere as, as Titan, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh <laughs> but it's it just has different. got it has still got a sort of a zombie show type atmosphere where, you're like, oh, someone you know has turned into a zombie, what do you do? <laughs> oh boy. And the, uh, yeah, as I said, it's really pretty, the animation, and, like, the, like, the, like, the opening and ending sequences have got some really gorgeous artwork in them as well. Oh, so, sweet. Uh, and, yeah, so, I would say, if you've got Amazon, check it out, because it's fun. Uh, and I'm gonna to continue to watch it. Um and also I started watching something new, uh which is an adult animated series that is origin that is shown on um uh HBO in America or was shown on HBO in America and I think is um oh it's on Sky Atlantic in the UK. Uh but I've been watching it on now T V which is a streaming service uh that has all the Sky stuff on it. Um and It is... It's called Animals. Hmm. And it is about animals.
1: (laughs) I assume that from the title. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Yeah, and the animals are talking... uh, Talking in a way that you don't expect animals to be talking, basically. Um, Are we
1: talking animals of farthing wood, kinda? Or no? Are we talking a bit more adult than that?
0: Yeah, more adult than that. Okay. Um... I know that some of the producers on it are like the um, Duplass brothers, uh, the mum- who are known for the mumblecore films, um, and the TV show, The League, mm. <laughs> uh, which I actually really like, even though I hate sport. Uh, it's funny, <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, it's got a lot of the a lot of the people from that show up doing voices uh, huh. as well. Um, and like the first episode is about rats like each episode is about different animals but oh cool they will also cut out to um to different animals as well oh and they're basically they seem to be like urban animals so they're rats and pigeons and <laughs> maybe pets dogs, later dogs yeah. cats yeah and um there's a police horse at one point. Uh, oh, cool. Having a conversation. Yeah, it's mainly sort of like there's two animals and they're having a conversation for the most of the episode. Um, um And like the pigeons uh, were going to a party, as you do. No, no, not pigeons. Um, The rats were going to a party. And they're basically talking about how they're going to... They're basically talking about how they're going to like hook up at the party. but Oh, um, of course. They're, but they're talking about because they're rats, they're talking about making babies specifically, and <laughs> you know, they take they take it to a literal thing where like, I'm pretty sure I don't know actually much about rats gestation periods, but I assume it's like days at least. Um, in this, it seems to be pretty instant, uh, because people go off into the bathroom or somewhere, and they come out and they've got a baby, you got a little baby rat. <laughs> um, yeah, I
1: think that's that's a that's an exaggeration of how quickly rats can have how they can reproduce so yeah i think that might have that might have been done for a joke
0: yeah and part of the part of the joke is that uh, like one of the babies grows up like during the course of the um course of the um uh episode to uh. create to create an awkward situation um <laughs> <laughs> with one of the characters um but it's it is sort of there is a way that it's kind of linked with Sausage Party in that it's like, ah, the animals said us swear. Ah. Mm, uh, mm. But, but, it's, do. but it's also not, it's not the same type of humour at all either because uh, it's more
2: like, it's sort of,
0: I can't... I does it
2: like... matter that they're animals? I mean, do you think it does? Do you think what the comedians are because it's it's like it's semi-improvised isn't it
0: oh that makes sense (laughs) i didn't know that yeah Uh, but um yeah it's the whole point is like animals talking like you don't imagine animals i think you know they're talking like just people Uh, Mm. but they talk about things that you know animal things as well as human things uh And the other episode I watched did have pigeons. And there's a pigeon who thinks he has laid an egg uh, that turns out to be a golf ball. uh, Aww. (laughs) Which they... um, What was it they call it? They call it White Man White Ball or something. Aww. (laughs) (laughs) They go, oh, it's a white man white ball. Oh, from the White Man White Ball course. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, uh, So... It had its moments. There are bits that like I at one point I was thinking, nah, I don't really think so but I sort of went, No nah, give it a bit get a bit more Uh I will say that animation's pretty rough. Um it's obviously uh Danny said it's from Starburns but uh it doesn't look like doesn't look as good as Rick and Morty Rick and Morty at all. Uh it's two D animation, but yeah. It sort of looks like it could be an internet cartoon <laughs> and um mm.
2: yeah it's it's one of those things it seems like where the voices are the star, and um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's um like they don't even bother animating lip flaps. Um I know they're animals so it doesn't really make sense so you can get away with it.
2: But So in that way it is a little bit uh Tales of the Riverbank. Yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: Obscure reference
2: of the week
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um but yeah, it's it's all right. Uh, it's not amazing.
1: Kind of middle over. of the road, middle of the road kind of show. Yeah, it's like got some yeah. of the good bits to it, but it's just kind of you know, pick your preference.
0: Yeah, I'll probably watch some more because I think there's only like eight episodes, uh, so and there's enough moments in it to go, oh, I'll watch some more. Um, but it's interesting because I I wrote an article recently about um about animated sit sitcoms that um weren't so weren't so successful as things like um uh bob's burgers and simpsons and family guy and i wrote about um an an hbo one uh called life and times of tim Mm. and i actually really enjoyed that show um
2: that has a bit of a cult status that one
0: yeah it's it's basically it's it's kind of like an animated Kirby enthusiasm type thing in the type of humour. It's like, oh, awkward situation, after oh, awkward situation and also that animation wise wasn't very shiny. It was but that was part of the aesthetic of the show I think and it mm-hmm. worked. So Yeah, it's I not think as good as that.
2: I I <laughs> I think the thing with like these these shows, and I, we've said it before, is is like it's not necessarily if the animation's amazing. It's mm. if it's being used to, uh, like a an interesting effect, a bit like Don Hertzfeld films. You know, mm. they aren't particularly the most amazing animation at all, but he understands how to use the simplicity of his images to kind of create an interesting experience. And my my kind of personal feeling, whenever, my, not 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 personal feeling, but. But uh, a little red flag pops up whenever comedians get involved with animation because i'm think i I think, okay, the test always is for me is you know how much are you actually utilizing the animation, and how much is this just an illustrated radio play yeah because That's a fair point because radio plays don't get on t v <laughs> <laughs> basically
1: yeah,
0: you know you know that kind of applies. To a lot of the HBO animated series that have been of the more recent years, because I was thinking, no, oh, there hasn't been that much animation on HBO. And then I thought, hang on, there was the Ricky Gervais. They did the Ricky Gervais podcast. <laughs> as,
2: oh yeah, as, oh yeah. Sure, I think you know, that was actually quite good. I I, I quite like that one. That no, kind I'm, of I'm not added something. The animation did no, not I didn't like it. No, sure, sure.
0: But that is exactly what it was it was like here yeah. is, is the joke is audio but they added nice animation stuff to it so <laughs> mm. yeah I like I like the animation on that and yeah Carl Pilkerton for the world uh.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: Carl Pilkington for the win
2: even and <laughs> the world I, well maybe yeah. not the world that would be a bit yeah. scary <laughs> oh,
3: yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> him and his perfectly bald round head <laughs> yes. Uh, so, animals is okay. Uh, not amazing, but you might want to check it out, especially if you like uh, the league and stuff like that, that kind of comedy, because uh, it has a lot of the alumni from that and other similar programs. So, I
2: it's guess. my understanding that the series has quite a few good, like, uh, comedy comedy peeps in it Mm -hmm. like you know um of the current like alternative scene in america i think david i'm pretty sure i saw david cross and um ah my goodness uh bob um odin kirk odin kirk yeah i'm pretty sure they were in it at some point i'm not sure i don't know don't (laughs) hold me to that (laughs) I'm. <laughs> I'm just checking the IMDb page, so. <laughs> ha ha ha
0: ha.
2: Uh, I think. I think I will check it out though. It sounds. Uh, it sounds interesting.
1: Yeah, how long are the episodes? They're,
0: they're like half an hour,
2: twenty minutes.
1: Uh, oh, really? I thought vary. I thought they'd be shorter. No, I no, Um
2: Yeah. HBO, like the shortest they do is like half hours, right?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, because most of the shows on HBO are are, are very long. I mean. Case in point, Game of Thrones is always, like, an hour each episode.
2: Mm-hmm. But their no, comedies just... are, like, half hours. Like
1: Yeah, they're, they're those facts. are definitely shorter.
2: Yeah, like, Silicon Valley is half hour.
1: Yeah. Because comedy, you you can't take comedy like that, and you can't stretch it out to fit a whole hour. You have to keep it condensed. Uh,
0: I know who it was I recognized. It was De- Jason Manzukis, who's from, oh. from the League. Oh, uh, Jeffrey
2: character R- wheaties.
0: <laughs> and Nick Kroll from the league as well, and Mark Duplass, obviously. Mm-hmm. John Lovitz, Danny McBride, Jessica Chastain, Aziz mm-hmm. Ansari. Yeah. Quite okay. A lot of people.
2: Okay. Yeah. So all your favourites.
0: All your yeah. favourites. Oh, Scott Ockerman, that was the other one. <laughs> I oh, like, hey, I yeah. And,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Mark Maron. Yeah. So is it Adam Scott? Lots of people.
2: Oh, okay. Aww. I haven't got on it.
0: Justin Roiland, Justin Roiland did it, so okay. of course he is. Okay. I, I'm he be surprised.
2: See, yeah, th- yeah. this is this is probably why I'm selling it. You're <laughs> you're definitely selling it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So if you like those people, then you might well like it. So there you go.
1: Cool.
2: So the budget was spent right. on their <laughs> on them being hired, not the animation. <laughs>
0: Well, I I don't know. I think most of them are their mates. Yeah. I think they're all quite, you know, they just hang out
2: together
0: and go, hey. They're like all the, um, they're either like the the league people or or the earwolf crew or whatever, just, hey, come on. (laughs) Just hang out for 10 minutes, do a guest roll. (laughs) So, yeah, that's why I've been watching. (laughs) Rachel?
1: Yeah, it's, um I didn't watch too much this week, but the few things I did, it was a little bit of a weird coincidence kind of thing, because um, I, I really had a busy middle of the week, like a Wednesday uh, or Tuesday into Wednesday. And, um, normally when I just, I'm just i feeling really tired, I just put on, like, a, a movie I can basically just chill to. And one of the things that I put on was uh, the Cowboy Bebop movie. Uh-huh. And, uh, I enjoy that yeah. every single time I watch it. Like, just just like the show, I don't have, for some darn reason, I don't actually have any DVDs of the actual show, but I really need to change that just because the show is amazing, and we pr- probably do a whole topic covering that show on a podcast oh, eventually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> eventually. Yeah. But, you know, I was watching that on Wednesday, loved it, every second of it. And especially with all the different, like you know, you're talking about like really good animation. It's Like every single like fight sequence in Cowboy Bebop, you know, the show proper, and even the movie too, with the you know bigger budget. Obviously, it's just oh, so good to look at. And one thing I also noticed with the movies is a lot of um, what's the what's the word for it? Um, environment, you know, environment shots, like the shots of like the city, people going about, you know, day to day. Like you see Spike walking through an alleyway and a bunch of kids are like doing like break dancing or something <laughs> as he's looking oh, for information. Oh,
2: the, the, yeah, the opening is, is awesome for that stuff. Oh, the, you know, the opening sequence where he's just, yeah. they're just, yeah, pe- he's just he's,
1: walking down the street.
2: It's such lovely animation of people, just people hanging out.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like rollerblading down the street, just sitting on a yeah, bench.
2: Yeah.
1: I only watched Cowboy Bebuffly like, a pretty like, well, after it was over, I think I only just kind of caught it when it was on. I was, I think it was on Adult Swim, way back when, and then I just I happened to cross it one time and just continued to watch episode after episode after episode. But um, no, it was really fun. Like, I got it was perfect movie to chill to after such a busy you know couple days. And then I was, I found myself. I think it was this just, I think it was just yesterday actually. I was staying up a bit later than I normally do and I was able to tune in on Toonami because it, it was like, tsunami like, Friday, was that Friday or Saturday? It's one of those two days. I was found—I was staying up a bit later than I normally do because I, and I normally never stay up for Toonami because it comes on such really late time, but it's, I just found myself watching it at that time. And I got to watch another uh, Shinichiro Watanabe uh, ah, anime. Ah, Champloo! Yes! Um it was they were playing the um what episode were they playing I think it was the the last half of like one of the later two parter episodes um it was like what was it called eulogy of entrapment I think was the name of the episode it was the one with the um the blind Inca singer who's also an assassin
0: I think I've seen that one
1: <laughs> yeah that's 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 one of the later ones it's kind of like it's not directly tied to the plot of the overall story but it's definitely has shades of it because that the this this woman who ends up temporarily joining uh the trio on their journey um is uh supposed to be stopping them from continuing on because there's a whole like cons- governmental conspiracy thing that's like oh we need to find the person that foo is looking for etc cetera, etc cetera. but we can't let them actually contact them contact this person that they're looking for. So we have to kill them. and So we send in this uh this apparently blind Inca singer who's also doubles in as as an assassin.
0: I like Zotchi. <laughs> he's he's blind, but he's a triple out bastard, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was good. I haven't seen um I haven't seen the dub of uh Shampoo in a long time and I forgot how I mean I shouldn't have been because I mean both both uh Cowboy Bebop and shampoo had really good uh really super good dubs.
0: Yeah, Steve Bloom.
1: Mm. <laughs> oh I know. Same... <laughs> kind of ironic. It's like you, he plays because I know he plays uh Spike in Cowboy Cowboy Bebop and then Mugen and uh and and if you really look put those two characters right next to each other, it's like one's really kind of like you definitely one was definitely inspired by the other.
0: You can't you can't Tell how disappointed I was when they didn't cast Steve Bloom as Space Dandy. I was like, "No, Space Dandy should you, be Steve Bloom." Who's you They like,
1: broke the trend.
0: Like, oh, "Damn it, damn it, <laughs> Funimation, what are you doing?"
1: That would have been really amazing. Now that I think about it, because I, I still need to just watch Space Dandy. I mean, I've only really seen a couple clips of it, but I, I've, I've been that's now that I've been watching like all these other Shinichiro Wat, Watanabe stuff. I'm just like you know what, I haven't watched all that much of Space Danny. I think that's to be that needs to be the next thing on my list after Voltron. Mm-hmm. Is to start watching that and then get my opinion on that.
0: It's 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 like a um yeah it's it's crazy, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's really interesting from an animation point of view and mm-hmm. it's yeah it's kind of got similarities to Fooly Cooly in the just its animation animate is let loose basically.
1: Oh cool. So
0: I I think it's worth checking out. As, Definitely alright. As I've said before, I somehow have not watched all of Samurai Champloo <laughs> <laughs> Even though I own it. And I think probably the fact that it's on Tudami now in America Gives me an excuse to watch my box set and do a review of it. <laughs> so
1: you should. You totally should. Spoilers is going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah. How many? I forget. Like, did you say how many episodes you'd watched up to in this in the show? Because I know there's not there's not a whole heck of a lot of episodes to it, but I'm there's assume, a good few.
0: I assume there's 26 episodes. I don't know. I I don't know how far I've got. So mm-hmm. better start again, haven't I?
1: Yeah. Well, oh. fortunately, it's one of those kind of shows that you can not you cannot watch for like maybe years on end and then you just watch it again. It's like, oh I can get right back into this.
0: No, I'm just gonna start from the beginning. <laughs> what a shame. Oh dear. Oh no. I'll have to I don't think it's again. gonna be that,
1: that bad that much problem because it's it's such a it's such a fun <laughs> show to watch.
0: Yeah, no, it's really not gonna be a problem. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Any excuse. <laughs> But yeah, that's really all I've got. I've got for you this week It's just lots of shit, you know, Shinichiro and Watanabe.
0: That's stuff. a good week.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is because it's good animation.
3: Yeah,
0: great
1: animation, great, great acting from both, you know, the Japanese actors and the you know dubbers. Just what more can you want?
0: to really be watching anything <laughs> but
2: um, I'm trying to think if I've seen anything <sighs> do you know I, I, I tried I started I, I started watching lots of things I, I started trying to watch that new Nickelodeon show The Loud House
3: oh yeah yeah
2: and I watched some more Powerpuff Girls and I started trying to watch Harvey Beaks and <laughs> I know they're only like 10 minutes I to say <laughs> but I didn't manage I, it I, I got no time for this <laughs> I didn't manage it I think I think what it was Seven like I, minutes, started, no. I think I like start watching them while I'm making dinner and then dinner happens and then I can't eat dinner and watch the cartoons because they move so quickly, you just have to pay attention. Yeah, anyways. Yeah. Long story short, I haven't seen anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: i remember were you the one were you the one who originally talked about trying to watch the um was it the newer Powerpuff Girls things that they were that they were trying to do?
2: Yeah, I did. I I watched some of them, and the thing is, I I think I'm just too old for them. And I the, <laughs> it, it, it's just one of those things where it might be fine for kids now, but I I don't know. I it wasn't it wasn't very good. It wasn't it wasn't really for me. And you know, those yeah. original cartoons like meant so much to me. Um, you know. Uh, I think pretty much any kind of reimagining was going to fall short of you know what what I wanted, really.
1: Yeah, and uh, Lauren, uh, the Lauren Faust, she was the one who one of the primary. Uh, I don't know if she was an animator director of the uh, Powerpuff Girls, but I know she was one of the people involved with in that show. She's not involved with the the reimagining, is she?
2: No, her nor Craig McCracken are. Um, it's it's pretty much just a thing where it's like it's now a content property and they're going to reimagine it as they see fit.
3: Uy, yeah.
2: But, which is which is fine because and they're they're allowed to do that and you know that's been happening to Scooby Doo and lots of other Hanna-Barbera stuff for ages. Hmm. Um. It's just uh, it's just past my time. That's all. Oh. <laughs> that's fine.
0: Yeah. But reboots do don't have to suck. I mean, look at Danger Mouse. No.
2: They, they absolutely, No, they absolutely don't. And in actual fact, the Powerpuff Girls, like, they they did a special, like, two years ago, called Dance Pants. Yeah. And, um... Uh, or Dance Pants, which is probably how you meant to say it. <laughs> um,
1: don't think I recognise that one.
2: It was great. It was, like, a CG um... Like, special, and it was kind of, like, limited CG animation, like... kind of looked like a David O'Reilly kind of thing and it was really like a really bold like redesign of all the characters but it was really not well received and Mm. so they went the safe route with the actual new show and they kind of you know went back to the old designs a little bit and tried to recreate something that was more familiar rather than take it in a new direction or anything like that.
1: Ah. Huh. Interesting. Anyway.
2: So no, I've not really been watching much. Um there was something I wanted to mention, if that's okay. Can I do that now?
3: Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Is it time? Yeah. Um so yeah, I've kind of I've been offline for like the last few weeks and just not really been checking Twitter very much, which has been bliss, I can tell you. Like <laughs> <laughs> not being like, you know, not being in the middle of any petty Twitter stuff is great. But unfortunately it meant that I missed some sad news actually which I only really found out about on Tuesday this week which was that um, a Studio Ghibli animator called Maikiko Futaki I think that's how you pronounce her name um, died and uh, she was was 57 and you know that's not old at all No it's
1: not that's horrible.
2: In her in her career, she actually animated some really quite iconic scenes in Ghibli movies, and um, like telling a little bit like of a personal like story here. Um, I was at a bit of a turning point, like in um, like in my personal life when I was um, when I first saw Ponyo. I was not sure whether I wanted to just have artwork be something that I did in my spare time and, you know, do uh, a literature course for university or something like that. Anyway, I saw Ponyo and the scene where Ponyo is running on the waves, literally, like that was, I can remember the moment, like when I was sat on like a rickety like office chair in my room, watching, watching this pirate, sorry, copy of Ponyo that my friend had given me um, that I saw this animation and I went oh okay, that's fine um, uh, I, I know what I want to do now, I want to do this, I want mm-hmm. to like if I draw and draw enough then like, if I get close to doing that then that that's fine, that's, that's a good pursuit because the feeling the animation gave me was just like nothing I'd ever felt or seen before it was I'd seen animation before, and I had, like, loved, you know, Disney stuff, and, like I said, Cartoon Network, Genndy Tarkovsky, stuff like that. But when I saw Ponyo, like, it just... And I had seen, actually, I'd seen Princess One and Okay and Spirited Away, but for some reason Ponyo was just... It hit me at the right moment. hmm And this scene blew me away, where Ponyo is running on the waves, and, like, she's she does like a backflip and then there's this whole scene that follows where she's running on waves and the whole background is moving and everything on the screen is animated. It's like, it's orchestral, like the way how everything is just sort of, uh, you know, moving and overlapping and things are moving at different speeds. It, it blew me away and I just had to find out who did it. And, and after about a week of searching, I found like this list in Japanese of the animators who worked on Ponyo and the respective scenes that they worked on. And I like struggled and I kind of managed to translate it for myself. And I was like, oh my God, I have a name. I know who did this scene. And from there I was able to like find um, like the rest of her scenes. And I just kind of fell in love with her stuff. Um, it's kind of, it's, it's it's a bit weird because, you know, nowadays when, when there's an artist or an animator or a director or a musician or any, any kind of artist you kind of have a sense of like their personal life uh or like they they also have a blog and they post about what they do at the weekend you don't really like get that so much with lots of animators
3: mm-hmm. so
2: like with futaki's stuff it's kind of i only really know her through her work which is really nice um because like her work is just speaks for itself really it's
1: was she the one I'm sorry to interrupt you but was hmm. she the one I remember you were putting you were putting images up on uh, on yeah. on Twitter of the different stuff like parts that she worked on like include, I know one of those was the was that iconic Ponyo scene but I think also that one clip of uh, the forest spirit in uh, Mononoke when it walks on the ground and you see like all the, the, the grass on the ground just like spring I to know. life and then wither away that was all her
2: that was yeah that was all her I mean in, Incredible. In, in, yeah, she, she, she. she it, it seems like almost a bit of a like a put down to say she was an artisan, but but what I mean by that is like she really completely understood like that films and and all good animators kind of I think understand this and all good background artists and everyone, but she understood her place in telling the story. There was nothing about her work, which was, like, trying to show off and, you know, put herself before the film, which is what you can sometimes see in in uh, in Japanese animation, actually. You can see a scene which is really trying to stand out and the animator mm-hmm. trying to do something, um, you know, with a personal, like, streak to it. But her stuff was always really, really on model and just... It it was exquisite, and she, she basically, she had a, I mean, she was one of, like, Miyazaki's favorites, actually. Oh, really? She, she had a great, she was always, so, animators also tend to be cast to particular scenes, and she was always, like, doing, pretty much, if there's a bird in a Ghibli movie, and it's beautifully animated, she probably did it, because <laughs> she was uh, an expert on birds, and as you were saying, Rachel, like with the um, scene in Princess Mononoke, um, like any plants or flowers, she probably drew, like um, the the scene in Totoro where they have the little shoots and oh, right. they're doing, they're doing like the sort of the, the sort of like a, the summoning dance and the yeah, giant that tree. tree,
1: the giant tree comes out of the ground.
2: Yeah. That's hers.
1: Oh, wow. Oh.
2: So she like really and, and, and the thing is like if you pause like the, the the films, each frame is just like such a complex like uh need, like almost needlessly complex drawing of a plant she you could tell she really, really uh loved, but in some ways more importantly, observed nature and really brought it like to the screen in a really honest way which isn't like which isn't i mean she she obviously she obviously simplified her drawing somewhat but they're not really cartoony i mean another one of her scenes which i love is um in laputa castle in the sky the scene where um pazu uh comes down in the morning and opens the cage where he's keeping all these doves.
1: oh yes
2: I mean that scene, if you look like at the individual drawings, they're these really delicate and I mean seriously delicate uh uh drawings of, of these doves where she's sort of she's making sure that each 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 feather is properly tapering in a very gentle uh in a very gentle way. And they move exactly like birds as well. They're not all necessarily like Graceful, heavenly things. They're a bit like they're all a little bit vicious when <laughs> when Sheeta's like got got a handful of seeds and they're all sort of like pecking her hand. And so she 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 really understood like the complexity of nature um, in the way that I think people kind of understand Ghibli movies to be able to do where there's like a fury to them and a beauty to them. Like another, another thing she animated was the um, the forest god in Princess Mononoke. the uh, the giant blue thing that uh, oh. that you know, um, like a titan that sort of moves
1: mm-hmm. moves
2: through. And she also animated the scene in Totoro where May meets Totoro. Uh.
1: Oh, yep.
2: <laughs> so she has that under her her belt. She has. Um, at the start of um, Kiki 's delivery service where she 's just sitting there and the grass is blowing,
1: this movie um, was
0: amazing
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, these so, are like some of the more iconic like scenes out of the like each of these Ghibli films
2: yeah yeah and That's and she, so cool I, yeah and so she, so um as I was sort of like getting to getting really getting into animation. I was kind of getting to learn um different animators and everything, and when you when you get to like recognize animators' scenes it's really exciting because there are certain things going on in their scenes which you can sort of identify them for because because they'll be cast like I said to particular types yeah, kind of, of scenes
1: kind of like um what was the one animator from uh, disney that i've Started noticing a lot more of his work. It was when he was working for Disney. It was Glen Glen Keane.
2: Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And kind
1: of, kind of like that. Like you'd be able to like look at his animation, like stuff that he worked on, be able to tell like okay, he, you can tell he's working on he worked on this scene or that character by you know, like certain tells in their animation. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah, and it's 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 a really exciting thing when when you sort of you get to know someone's work like in that. Kind of quite intimate way.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, oh, and another thing, which you might be surprised that she animated was. Uh, sorry, I'm not just not just to give you a complete list, but I think I find it interesting.
1: No, uh, I, I find it interesting too. Go ahead.
2: She, she also animated the giant um, when when Tetsuo turns into uh, like a giant flesh baby. Basically, oh,
0: I was I was going to say about Akira because
2: yeah
3: Both, uh, what
0: ha- what happened was um she passed away sort of about i think it's the thirteenth of of may See, uh, sorry yeah um yeah. and it um it it was reported on like anime websites or anime news network and stuff but then for some reason it got picked up like last weekend by it started popping up everywhere like on mm. like, film websites and General Geek So it's I think one place must have picked up on it, like and then it spread. And some of the places were saying uh Ghibli and Akira Animator. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that bit.
2: No, no, no. I, I didn't know that actually about her um until like a few years ago and but when you see those scenes, you go, Oh yeah, she's sort of like moving things at different times like the way she does I don't know like when the when the flowers are withering underneath the forest god's feet in um in uh in princess Mononoke. so um yeah like her, her work really had a huge like effect on me because you know going through her stuff frame by frame i i, I really got to like appreciate um you know the delicacy she, she has for like drawing flowers mainly, I think that was really her has her, her strongest suit was realistically like in, in 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 a in as realistic a way that animation can can manage to depict like the wind just blowing blowing gently over plants and things and um anyway so she was easily one of my all time favourite animators so I'm so pleased that like she got to do all those iconic scenes. And I thought it was worth, you know, mentioning what those scenes were because I noticed lots of news outlets that kind of picked it up, sort of said, "Oh, yeah, she worked on this film," mm. but it doesn't. You don't really know what that means, I don't think, unless you, you know, you'd just be doing guesswork about like what what well, she did. Especially
1: if you know, yeah, exactly. If you can't, like, what you how you explained how you can link her work to certain bits of animation, like all the different moments that you said that she animated, those are really impressive. If you really look at it, it's just, it's, it's, it's incredible. Hmm. It's literally just, oh, man. Yeah,
2: Yeah. I was so pleased as well when I found out that she animated the last moments in The Wind Rises. Oh, right, That
1: was her too?
2: Yeah, so, like, the scenes where basically, um, the main character's, like, you know, in the weird sort of Grasslandy heaven place. Uh,
1: yeah, and had talking to his one mentor character.
2: Yeah, yeah the, those last, like, 30 seconds, I think, of uh, her.
1: Oh, I love that um, entire scene. So she got yeah. oh, man. all man! All,
2: all the stuff in House Moving Castle, where he's a bird as well. So, anyway.
3: Oh my god!
2: <laughs> so, I, I I was actually really, really sad when I found out like she died, but looking back through whole, her career is... I I can't help but just be uplifted by it because that's what her scenes kind of gave me. They were just always the best parts in those movies for me. Um, And um, one scene that is probably like her most realistic scene in terms of just the sheer amount of detail was in a Takahata film. Um oh. and she didn't often actually work with Sakata. She was more sort of like Miyazaki's um fave, I think. But
1: Yeah, you mentioned that earlier and, and given her ability to draw aspects of nature really well, I can kind of see why.
2: <laughs> mm. Um but in only Le- only yesterday she animated the scenes with the safflowers.
1: Um Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. I keep saying that just all the time, but just throughout and, this conversation. But it's so cool. And in, and
2: in the making of Only Yesterday, um, which I'll, I'll send a link on the show notes to, um, there's a great little bit of footage of her actually picking the safflower herself. Wow. Bare, barehanded to what? really feel the texture. Oh, <laughs> And then spending like a year just drawing them, um, and I think it paid off.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, at least definitely, especially in that scene in the movie where they, you know, they have that long, that long, nice sequence where they're showing you, you know, how they're going about picking them, and it's just you, you, you look at those flowers, and it's like I, I remember one, the first time watching this that movie, I'm just like, ah, oh, those are just, like beautifully animated, like they're so detailed and everything, and it's like now I know why, now I know who to. Th- you know,
2: thank for that. That's incredible. Yeah, I'm 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 kind of pleased that I'm, for, I'm under quite unfortunate circumstances. You know, I'm able to to sing her praises really because um, animators being quite like humble, private people, you wouldn't usually hear this stuff. So, so there there, there it is. Check check out her stuff, and I'll I'll um, I'm gonna write another little article I think for the site. Oh, cool. uh, and and actually include some of the scenes if I can, as is gifts or, or as video mm-hmm. links.
1: That'd be fantastic.
2: Because um, I really, I really want everyone to know about her.
1: No, well, it's it totally should.
2: Yeah, thanks so much for
0: that. That was really, really enlightening, and I think paid fitting tribute to an awesome person. Agreed. And also segues nicely into our main topic.
2: That was why I ended with
0: yeah. the. Yeah, she worked with Almada, who was
2: our who was our
0: topic. Pointing yeah, out. <laughs> yeah. See, we we get we're, we're we're professionals at this now. We've been doing it nearly a year, so <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Takahata. <laughs> Ooh.
2: Ooh, the yeah. oh, one of the
1: other big animation titans of Ghibli. Yeah,
2: the, well. s- the sloth. Is the sloth. <laughs> he's known the as sloth? He's he's kind of called that by by uh, by the other senior staff there.
1: Really. He's got yeah, a small
2: filmography, really. Yeah, because he takes so bloody long to make movies. And even when they're in production, he drags his feet and doesn't hit deadlines and all sorts of things.
1: <laughs> and you can also tell a little bit of his, his film style too, because a lot of the movies that at least I've seen that he's worked on, namely um, Only Yesterday and The Tale of Princess Kaguya, those are great films. All awesome, but they tend to they tend to be relatively slow, or slower paced.
2: Ah, uh, that's true, that's fair enough, yeah.
1: Doesn't mean they're not entertaining or beautiful to look at, but just... just
2: no, that's, you, that's you, true. You, you sit they're...
1: down for one, you, you, you're in for a bit of a long haul.
2: Yeah, they kind of demand a whole afternoon. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. So, I think the first time... First film I saw of his, I think, would probably be Pompoko Uh All right. When it came out on DVD from uh, Studio Canal the first time.
1: Uh, that was the one with the raccoon dogs, right?
0: Yeah, the raccoon dogs and the yeah, and the, the thing that everyone <laughs> has to mention. Uh, <laughs> to the no. but, yeah. yeah, the tanuki. Yeah. Yeah, raccoon
1: raccoon dog.
0: Yeah. Um, I think that was the, my first. Time watching a Takahata film, uh, and yes, it was a different experience from Jim, uh, from a Miyazaki film, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> Definitely. And it was, I remember being quite surprised that Disney had dubbed that one. I was like, oh, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a different film, indeed. Um, and I haven't, I have to say, I'm, I'm not quite as up to date with him. As I, as you are, and I haven't seen all his films, like I haven't had the chance to see. It only yesterday, as yet, but I have seen my neighbours the Yamadas. I, oh, I have seen, I have seen, Tales Princess Kaguya, obviously, and I've seen, I've seen the one that is Little Nords, Prince Valiant or the Prince Hulse, or whatever it's
2: called. Uh, yeah, it has like. Three. Yeah, I've seen like At five three different titles. titles as well. <laughs> yeah, hopefully.
0: I don't even know what
2: the one I've got is called. I think <laughs> probably I think, Little Norse Prince. If yeah, it's a DVD, so. and yeah, then and that, yeah, yeah, that's
0: Studio Canal released that one in the UK. Yeah, that one. Uh, that's and Disco and
2: actually, Discotech in the US mm-hmm. um, released uh, a new edition of that last year with a new commentary and some really, really great um like ar- um archive uh photographs and like production materials. Hmm. I actually imported it. It's really, really love it's really well done.
1: Cool.
0: And I have also seen uh half of uh the first the first ep- half of Panda Go Panda. <laughs>
2: oh yeah. Uh, oh that's that's fun. I love that.
0: In a lot of ways, it's it's kind of like a proto Totoro in a way, which is interesting because it's Takahata,
2: not Miyazaki. A to- 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 proto to- Proto Ponyo, a little bit. The second episode There's a giant flood, and and everyone's very very creepily calm about it.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I have also seen Graves of Fireflies. Uh, yeah.
3: Yeah,
1: that um, is that's the one of the films like I've, I've been making a list of the films that uh, Isao Takahata has done that I haven't seen yet to see if um, you know what I should watch first and Grave of the Fireflies is the bottom of my list because I will see it but I'm very nervous about watching it because I've, I am well aware of that film's reputation It's I know it's great it's beautiful to look at but it's very emotional very emotionally gripping and it, will it... tear your heart out
0: it is good, but it will ruin your day. Uh... Yeah,
1: yeah there's not
2: time to watch it. Really.
1: Yeah, that is that's the one reason I'm like I'm kind of holding out on it. Just like I've got to be in the right kind of mood for to watch a movie like that.
2: I mean, or watch it on a day where you're feeling great, and then it will only kind of bring you down to like a semi-bombed sort of <laughs> state. Wow! Watch,
0: watch it while drunk. See
2: what happens. <laughs> oh, don't! You no! Know. Do see the end of the bottle and. Beginning of a new one, I think.
0: <laughs> happy drunk
2: what's it you happy drunk. <laughs> <laughs> a, a club. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. <laughs> All
1: right. Uh, I'll, that, that's a good recommendation. I'll uh, I'll let you know when I finally get there. I'll let you know how it goes.
2: <laughs> a, a, a bit, yeah. It's, he's a he's a funny like. It's a funny one to talk about because a bit like Miyazaki he had a career that was like some 20 odd years before he was, uh, you know, making movies at Ghibli.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: he began a Toei animation, uh, in the sixties. Um, and him and Miyazaki were, um, contemporaries. He was slightly Miyazaki senior, I think by four years or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was—he's um, actually like a really intellectual guy. I mean, if you're going to sort of draw a comparison between, uh, sorry, a contrast between him and Miyazaki, if Miyazaki is someone who who is about instinct and uh, things like that, Takahata is someone who really starts with research, and he's he's quite academic in his approach. Um, he has like a background in French literature. Um, oh,
1: cool!
2: Yeah, so he's he's really like a really well-read um, intellectual guy. He does and also he's he's known because he doesn't actually draw himself.
1: He doesn't.
0: Uh, yeah, no, that's really interesting.
2: Yeah, he doesn't have. I mean, he's he he can see things, uh, by which I mean he can really he ha, he, he has a visual literacy. You know about him, mm-hmm. but his actual technical um skill in drawing is quite simplistic mm. um which allows him which which actually makes him a lot more like a live action director than than an animation director. He sort of like coordinates other artists um he you know he he for example doesn't really draw his own storyboards in the same way that Miyazaki does.
0: It's it's such a contrast with Miyazaki. Yeah who, who basically yeah. like I will draw half this film <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: You are not good
0: enough. Go away.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um so 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 they were sort of like contemporaries and and Miyazaki was you know, Takahata was Miyazaki's uh like senior, his senpai. Yeah. Um and he sort of looked up to him a lot and then notice me. He, well, he noticed him quite a lot. In fact, he sort of like really did notice him. He took him under his wing. Um and the first thing that they worked on was, like you said, Chris, the um the nineteen sixty eight movie. Um I like calling it Horace Prince of the Sun. Uh, the full title, like the literal translation is The Great Adventures of Horace, Prince of the Sun. Mm-hmm. And that was actually a really important movie in anime history. Um, I don't know if we've spoken about it much before, but basically at the time Toei, um, the studio, was making very cartoony, family-friendly movies um, Animated movies like, I mean, they're so great, like Puss in Boots, yeah. Animal Treasure Island, um, and things like that. They were sort of trying to get the family audience that, that Disney was sort of getting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but Takahata saw a potential in animation um, to tell different sorts of stories and to... um you know, be influenced by live-action filmmaking in lots of ways as well. And in many ways, it's been said that horror sort of sets the tone for where Japanese animation went from there. Because without that movie, which has some... Um, it has, like, thematic elements, which are slightly tricky, and um, it has, you know, very... Uh, not 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 violent, but really um really exciting action, the sort of which you haven't really seen before in in animation like or or Japanese animation. Um so like that's where he really kind of began in terms of like his his directing uh career. Um and he didn't actually direct another um feature movie for a long time. Um he didn't actually directed another feature until nineteen eighty one. Well. Um that's kind of because Horace was not a massive hit and in many ways the studio sort of sent him not not entirely packing, but you know put put the brakes on him a bit because he was not really uh delivering the sorts of films that they wanted. Um, and then he works in t v um you yeah, know, he, didn't, he,
1: didn't he, he work on lupin the third with uh yeah. um with i think Miyazaki was also involved in that well they like, worked they worked together on that
2: yeah yeah um yeah that was actually uh like in the seventies and then uh quickly after that um they worked on panda go panda together and that was sort of their first time truly collaborating on something from the from the beginning from like conception to directing and you know everything um and then he 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 made a 52 episode series called Heidi um based on the novel
3: mm-hmm.
2: um and um, I've only seen, like, a few of them. That's kind of considered his, uh, Takahata's, like, turning point uh, in terms of establishing the things which define the rest of his career. Um, the sorts of ways he depicts, like, daily life. And um, it, it, it's a real, like, slice-of-life series, Um and the way he sort of depicts quite quite naturalistic moments, the sort of which you you sort of see in Only Yesterday a bunch. Um, yeah, and I've 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 not actually I've not seen that, and I really <laughs> really ought to. Um, and then uh, th- so throughout this time, him and Miyazaki were sort of you know friends and colleagues, but. Pretty much after then, him and Miyazaki began to sort of part ways a little bit, um, and Miyazaki tended to. So Miyazaki went off and made Future Boy Conan, which was like his first big directing gig, um, uh, like 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 establishing his uh, his directorial, his his directorial voice. And Takahata, red and red and red, and I think that's kind of what he does most, really. Because, like you said, Chris, he's not like the most prolific director, especially compared to like Miyazaki. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, like you said, he takes he takes a little bit longer to make and complete his projects.
2: Yeah, yeah. Regardless and, of what I, they are. Yeah, and I and I kind of feel like a little bit. Like <laughs> I've not seen, I've not seen all of his stuff at all because I haven't seen Heidi. I haven't seen Three Thousand Leagues and Such of Mother, which is another TV series him and Miyazaki worked on. Um, yes, he did uh, and,
1: and Green Gables too, didn't he? Like a, a Japanese uh, yeah. animation in regards to that that particular story. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, well,
0: he, I thought he was involved with Sherlock Hound as well, but I was looking at a list and I couldn't find it on it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: he was probably like aware of it but he might not have been you know he might have been involved in like development or something because these 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 guys will work really closely you know um but uh i i've not seen Chie the brat which is a, which is a movie he made um like based on a manga um yeah Jaden ja,
1: ja, Chie yeah okay
2: um, and that's meant to be. I've I've heard that's like his most mature work in terms of. It's got some quite rude humor in it, apparently. Um, and uh, yeah, I really I really should see that. Um, I'm kind of rambling a bit because I'm just trying to figure out when the next sort of big big step is for him. I um, mean, he made a short in '82. Um, called uh Gorsh the Cellist. Uh where he's oh, still... yeah. um and it's really worth checking out. Um it's it's quite a poetic little short. Um it's what well, it's not a short short, it's about 50 minutes I think. Um just about a cellist and there's a there's a cat, I think, and <laughs> another animal. Of course. And it's quite folk taly, really. I think it's I think it's based on a folktale. Okay, um, and that's quite interesting. Uh, but he but this is all like pre Ghibli still, and it wasn't really until uh, like 1988 uh, when Ghibli had sort of been established for a couple of years uh, after Miyazaki had made um, Laputa castle yeah,
1: no both, Na, Na, both nausicaa and and uh castle in the sky but um wasn't takahata involved in those as well he
2: was i think he was involved in like a as like a producer he he, okay. yeah, he yeah he produced um he was a producer on on nausicaa and castle in the sky
3: all right
2: um and he also like was involved with lots of miyazaki movies after then as like a music producer and things like that um but yeah grave of the fireflies is like his it's probably his most famous film i think
0: i'd say so yeah yeah
1: that was the first that was the first one he really directed for ghibli
2: yeah that was the first one that i saw as well and i had no idea it was him i was just um of an age where i was just seeking out lots of anime it was actually like around the same time like i was watching cowboy bebop and Mm-hmm. Ghost in the Shell, and Grave of the Fireflies sort of popped up. Um, I think it's... I, I don't know. I think it's not really characteristic of him. Uh, have, have, sorry, have you guys seen it?
1: Grave of the a Fireflies? Yeah.
2: Uh, yes, no. I have. Okay.
1: Like I said, I, I'm, I'm still a bit wary about stepping into that movie, but um, I am planning on doing it.
3: I
0: it's, have it's, it's, it only seen it
2: once. Seeing. I've only seen it once as well. I think that's enough. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, do you know what? That was one... For, um, I think I might have even seen it the same year that I saw um, Requiem for a Dream. And I remember with that movie as well, it ending and me going, okay, thanks. I never have to see that, I never have to see that again. <laughs> and I think I pretty much felt the same way about Grave of the Fireflies. It's a beautiful film. It's Mm. just uh, incredibly
0: just why would you do that to yourself?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's 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 a really, you know, uh, I don't I don't really know I don't really know what to say. I mean, culturally, it's it was an achievement because you know, Tiger had to. I, I think maybe it was characteristic of him in that sense that he was trying to push the limits of what animation was considered being able to do.
1: And he, from all accounts, especially with this movie, it seems like he did that. It's just that, in terms of just general audiences, you know, you could have a whole bunch of new viewers coming in to see it, but then once they've seen it, they probably aren't going to see it again
2: yeah i mean this is the kind thing of I mean... can
1: kill at least th- at least in theaters that can sometimes kill a movie let you... us remember
0: yeah. that it was released on a double bill in japan with my neighbor totoro yeah <laughs> and the question has always be what order did they show the red
2: <laughs> i know the answer to that
0: which way? which way
2: apparently it depended on where you saw it oh so certain... It was a lucky dip. <laughs> certain places... I would imagine you'd probably have Grave of the Fireflies last. No. Oh. Not because it's like, you know, saving the best or last or anything, but I'd imagine by then the kids are probably quite fidgety. Or just I'm gone so off. happy,
0: I'm so happy. Then you watch it, and they're like, oh, my And it's like, oh, all the, hap- oh, all the
3: happiness
2: is gone. I mean... I'd, um, I I'd probably, I know, I'd probably guess that maybe it would have been a struggle for Get Grave of the Fireflies to be released without Totoro
0: Oh, actually, because... it's the other way around. Oh, really? The, um, to- it actually at the time, uh, um, it was considered the the more sure bet of the two because it was based on a a novel and it
3: was
0: Uh, was ah that's why and people were like they were taking school trips on to do it and things
3: Mm -hmm.
0: so it was it was actually the one that helped Totoro to exist more oh that's really
2: interesting I'm pretty sure that's the case well that that would that would be the one that would move people in hmm
0: so it was considered that people would go and see it for, for Grave of Fireflies over Totoro. Mm-hmm. And then,
2: well, we all know how that turned out.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it,
2: yeah, I, I mean, actually, it's, it's it's interesting you say that because Takahata is unfortunately also known for not quite achieving the box office success that Miyazaki that's... Miyazaki's movies did uh, his yeah. movies always struggle to find general audiences let's say um, and even in Japan he's not really as well known uh, as, as Miyazaki at all uh, because you know even in Japan it's, it's, it's sort of seen as like you know Ghibli is Miyazaki Ghibli is Totoro and Kiki and you know um, Nausicaa
0: it's weird to think that, because you'd think that just putting Dibby on the poster in Japan would be like printing money.
2: <laughs> well, it, you say, yeah, I mean, you say that, but I think the posters also tell the story that they're not quite Miyazaki movies as well. Like, um I, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I, I think um, his movies are kind of characteristically... Not Miyazaki movies mm-hmm. as well, um, which is, which is a really a, a bold like achievement for the studio to manage. You know, especially when the logo is 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 uh, is Totoro, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and especially seeing as like all the other non Miyazaki movies have, at least more recently, been trying to be as Miyazaki as they could be.
2: Mm, mm. Well, I. I, I I think the the relationship between Miyazaki and Takahata has a lot to do with that. And it's it's kind of like a very friendly frosty rivalry they have where they have tremendous respect for each other. Uh but on the surface they might fight and rail like like enemies. <laughs> but they I, th- I think there there's a real friendly rivalry between
1: rivals.
2: Them. Yeah. Rivals. And 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 almost like um, like two two bits of flint like sharpening each other. I think Takahata really felt like he didn't want to make Miyazaki movies because what was the point in trying to to do that? I mean, incidentally, I don't even think he was even interested in making those sorts of movies. He was he was um, busy being influenced by lots of world animation and. While Miyazaki is sort of, you know, known nowadays for being a bit cantankerous and isolated, even um, Takahata really still like watches lots of animated movies, and he really tries to involve himself and, like as I said, like start with research.
0: Well, look what he's What he's done most recently?
2: Yeah. um... Oh, sorry. Um, Yeah, absolutely.
0: They've taken Michael Dudok de Wit under his wing,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and and become the creative producer on the
2: Red Turtle. So, yeah, I, th- I uh, yeah, absolutely. There you go. There's, I, I I had almost forgotten about that. Actually, um, wait,
0: that's kind of doesn't feel like a thing
2: that Miyazaki would do. No, I, I yeah. mean Miyazaki didn't even do that for. Um, his own son <laughs> his own son absolutely he didn't do it for... <laughs> Exactly, yeah I mean yeah exactly
1: <laughs> really kind of sad when you think about it but just hey that's how he it's... that's how Miyazaki rolls <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. so I mean we've kind of like gone through a little bit of his like filmography mm-hmm uh, after Grave of the Fireflies there was only Yesterday and then Pompoco in 1994 and then in 99 My Neighbors are Your Madders.
1: Those are relatively um, quick in succession at least um, compared to some of the other films that, he's, that he did.
2: Sure and then his next feature film was I mean technically his next feature film was there was a, a movie, like a feature length cut of and of green gables.
1: Oh, right.
2: And then his next like new feature was Princess Kaguya in 2013. So I mean 1999 to 2013 is quite a long gap. Yeah. Um but apparently in that time he was working on developing Princess Kaguya. Um so yeah, I mean maybe it's it's worth kind of talking about who he is because we have talking about like his projects and like what for you guys is the Takahata film like what how do you think his films characterize themselves differently uh to the other Ghibli movies perhaps?
1: Well even though I haven't seen all that many of them, I like I like I mentioned earlier. There's definitely a slower pace to those movies than say um, anything that uh, Miyazaki himself directed, mm. and but that's not necessarily a bad thing because at least in the case of Only Yesterday, the slower pace was kind of part of the charm that the movie had, and in the case of um, the Tale of Princess Kaguya. One of the, like i I appreciate even though like that I wasn't you know entirely enthused by some of the sore bits in like the middle of the film, it's still probably one of the best representations of the um tale of the bamboo cutter that I've ever seen that I was so much i was wrapped- wrapped in that so much that I really it, it gave me more to see out of this story and this you know fairy tale come to life and i I appreciated every second that I had to watch it.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and like it was. It, 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 have you seen um, My Neighbors the Matters?
1: No, I, that's that's another uh, movie on my list that I really want to check out.
2: Because I, you you have Chris.
0: I have, yeah. Yeah. Again, but, it's I haven't seen. I think I may have seen it once. <laughs> oh, okay. This this seems okay. to be a, a defining thing about <laughs> <laughs> me and me, me and Takahata. I've seen them once. Uh... Uh, actually when I think about the films of his I have seen Um Imada's stands out in that the other ones I've seen perhaps the defining ca- ca- characteristic about them is that they make me feel sad <laughs> <laughs> like a, mm. and, and uh, my name is didn't <laughs> like oh no that that's just a, yeah. a totally different film but yeah his other films are just like oh I, I have to sit down now
1: <laughs> he, he, he goes takahata goes for the feels but in a different way than miyazaki does like i, yeah. I don't know like if, if um ah uh, what was the one that I had, I had a comparison like um say something like with no it'll go something that's more like heartfelt like you know a bit more obvious i guess like for as an, an emotional moment but with Takahata, it's definitely more subdued. Like I remember when I was watching only yesterday, and you had that one uh, flashback sequence where um, the main character, she's as a as a child, she's having trouble with math, and uh, that exchange between one of her sisters and her mom about how she's she can't do as well
3: hmm. as
1: everyone else can. Like that's that definitely hit me in the feels. But that's only because I had like, but part of, part of the reason was I had you know emotional. Personal connection to that moment, but also it just, it's like you said, it's, it's different. It's a different kind of, it's like, it's something that you wouldn't really consider a mo- emotional moment for a lot of people, but just, but for me, it, it really hit home. So I don't know. It's, it's just, it's, it, like you yeah, said, it, it, it I, hits you I, in different I, ways.
2: You've really pinpointed on something interesting, which is, yeah, he doesn't go for big crowd pleasing moments. Uh, where you can kind of sense him like like Spielberg you know kind of playing the audience he 's he 's exploring dramatic themes and and characters in in quite sh- honest ways really
3: mm-hmm.
2: and in and in ways that are not necessarily idealized either, like if you look at how the parents are depicted in Princess Kaguya they 're not parents that you would necessarily want to have
1: no especially not the dad
2: but but they are the parents that actually you might have and they are the parents that are and Mm -hmm. um, there's a sort of like a forgiving honesty in in how they're depicted you know he's saying these people aren't perfect but they're trying and like um,
1: actual people
2: yeah, absolutely. And I think, like, the people in Only Yesterday really are like that for me.
1: Totally. From start, the, from start to finish.
2: The family is not a rosy unit, really. No. Um, there's, you know, the stoicism and the sort of stuffiness of the father is, is not shied away from. And also the sort of the... Like you were saying, the mum as well. She's... She's depicted as someone who's struggling to to raise a family, essentially,
1: mm-hmm. and, and, and then these... also having to make decisions based on what the father says is okay. And if mm. he says no on anything, then it's it's his word or nothing.
2: Yeah, but but in a in a in a, in a strange way, I think in these in, in these moments, I, I think Takata is actually more universal than Miyazaki,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and in terms. Of Depicting people really, and and offering a, a worldview which, which is quite relatable.
3: Mm-hmm. Whereas
2: Miyazaki kind of shows how people, how he wants people to be. You know, he wants to be in Miyazaki's world. It's like everyone on your street is like the kind auntie who you never had. Uh, you know. <laughs> And he's kind of depicting the world that he wants to see, whereas Takahata is a bit more unflinching in depicting how things are. He doesn't shy away. And and I think you can see this in the fact that he's just directed movies like Grave of the Fireflies, where he Mm -hmm. doesn't shy away from really harsh realities that Miyazaki uh, is only really comfortable suggesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, one you did like the comparison between the two. One is the optimist, the other is the realist.
2: Uh yeah, I think that's that might be I mean, I don't know if Miyazaki's necessarily a complete optimist.
1: No, but at least with the the worlds he depicts in his in his films. You can kind of like there there are still bad people in them, but the uh, but they're still it's more of a you know I wouldn't say rosy tinted cuz that's that's not really capturing what he's done you know he's done with his movies but it's, yeah. it's definitely more like you know the through hard work and perseverance the you know, the heroes or the protagonists of the story will come out on top all the time whereas Takahata, bit, yeah he'll he'll he'll, he's like, you know, he'll have the hero the you know hero or um protagonist struggle and then not get anything for their, all their hard work
2: yeah, yeah, Miyazaki's a little bit more spiritual, perhaps. Uh, whereas Takahata, even though he kind of touches on spiritual themes and things like that, like if you look at Pompoko, um he doesn't shy away from the reality of what would happen to raccoons living on land which is being uh, sold off for development. Uh, there are some quite harsh moments in that film where you see I've heard
1: about those.
2: Yeah, let's just roadkill and these cuddly these cuddly anthropomorphic uh raccoons as they are, like in or Tanuki rather, as they are in their own environment. Once they run off into the into the um into the real world, uh they hit a car, suddenly he depicts it it's a raccoon. That's dead. That's Roadkill. Yep. Um you know, so I I think that's also quite a Takahata um, streak.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's like, what what other? Um, let's see. So we have you well, know, kind of the just... longer, longer paced, yeah. the more realistic tone to depicting life.
2: Mm-hmm. The the other thing I think which is noticeable, which sad. is <laughs> sad, very sad. The other thing which I think is noticeable is that, and this, I, I think this is a, as a result of him not actually drawing himself. Um, his movies, he is very open to changing up styles
1: mm-hmm.
2: and experimenting with different styles. Um,
1: like Kaguya.
2: Well, yeah. And, and in actual fact, there's, there is a, there's an interesting sort of line of, Uh, development I think you can see with his visual styles and his interests Mm -hmm. Um, he was very very fond of so first of all he's really fond of Japanese art uh, like 12th century like scroll paintings and things Um, Mm -hmm. and he in fact like he lectures about them or he has lectures about them in Japan and he's even written a whole book about how he thinks that 12th century Mm -hmm. scrolls are Really, the foundation for manga and uh, and Japanese animation, mm-hmm. uh, as it is to, as it is today. Um, and he's and he's sort of like been been influenced by them in terms of creating images which do not necessarily. Um, have completely realistic renderings of perspective, for example, he's quite interested in how you know, you know in like um those those like vertical scroll paintings you 'll see things arranged in in a way that sort of suggests that something's further away from you just because it 's higher in the frame yeah um he he kind of takes little techniques like that and cheats things and he's he's quite playful really for someone who who is so academic and like tied to research. Um, anyway, so he was, he was looking at those and trying to figure out a way to get animation to uh, achieve that kind of simplicity, basically, because with um, Brave of the Fireflies, it's quite realistic, really. The, the proportions of everything are very realistic and the perspectives are very realistic mm-hmm. um and then in only yesterday which is what, which was his next film he began to experiment with um leaving parts of the frame b- blank like uh in the dream in the um in the flashback sequences
1: yeah yeah i noticed that
2: the um the backgrounds are drawn quite sparsely in a few moments and that was a conscious effort for him to try something and to, but basically what he's, what he's, um, what he said, his reasons for for doing that is that the more he leaves out of the frame, the more your imagination is working and being truly involved with the film. Um, so that's why, uh, a few years later, after the quite visually traditional, um, the visually sort of uh, conventional, rather, um, animation style in Pompoco, is why in 1999, uh, My Neighbors the was such a sparsely uh, like drawn movie. Yeah,
1: um, it was very simple compared to... The style he had done before.
2: It's impossibly simple, really. (laughs) I mean, it's deceptively simple because the animation in it is actually exquisite and is just as considered as all of his other films. Um, But he was influenced by... um, There's a Canadian animator called Frederick Back um, who he actually became friends with uh, Mm -hmm. who unfortunately died in uh,
3: 2013. Aww.
2: I think, or 2014. Maybe at the beginning of 2014. And he was very influenced by his work. Um, He made a short film called Crack. um, And another one called The Man Who Planted Trees. And Takahata was blown away by how Back was able to sort of evoke, um, evoke an entire world with a few lines. And he thought, well, this is basically what the japanese scroll painters kind of were trying to do they're evoking like great vistas with a few spare lines so that's why my neighbors Yamada's looks the way it does and it wasn't really without frederick back uh, like had it not been for frederick back um he probably wouldn't have made the film the way he did
1: hmm ah, Cool.
2: Um sorry I'm
1: I'm sorry I'm getting partially distracted. I'm looking at my window and the storm is <laughs> really kicked up. I can,
2: is it coming <laughs> we can in hear it now. Okay. Oh, yeah, like
1: it's no, the the trees are being bent over backwards and everything. I'm just like, wow. I I, I recognized that we were going to be in one of the the worst parts of it, but I didn't think it would get this bad. I'm kind yeah. of glad I got the weeding out of the way earlier this morning cuz I was just like, ah, oh, friend.
0: <laughs> they might have just blown out
2: Oh yeah, you could have left them.
1: It sounds Eh, quite
2: it sounds quite cozy. I quite like a thunderstorm.
1: (laughs) I don't. I'm not I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Do do
2: you have pets?
1: Um yeah, I have a little weeder dog downstairs.
2: Oh no. Yeah, pets and storms aren't good.
1: Yeah. And I've always been terrified of thunder and lightning as a kid, but um but it's been going away as I get older, but still (laughs) So that lingering fear is still there.
2: Oh no, it can be terrifying. I was I was actually woken up by it earlier in the year, and I, yeah, I completely lost it <laughs> <laughs> because it was just being woken up by a loud bang. I had no idea what the hell was going on. <laughs> yeah, it's it, they can they can be scary.
1: Yeah, um, so hopefully it blows through quickly. But anyways, if, yeah. please continue. I'm sorry for interrupting.
2: <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's it's just a. It's well, I I pretty much like ended the point I was making about his his journey towards essentially Princess Kaguya. How it how it mm-hmm. turned, how he was able to, you know, uh, fine tune all the knobs on on his like animation deck, mm-hmm. and and. And tweak things just so he was able to like bring like a scroll painting to to, to life, basically.
1: Yeah, that's that. That sounds like almost since he he's such passionate about that particular art style that that all that would almost seem like the epitome of his work right there, being able to bring an art style like that to into motion and, and just such beautiful fluid motion and tell such a beautiful story.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He. Um he he obviously you know he's not just interested in in uh visual flourishes and things like that he's mm-hmm. you know a filmmaker through and through mm-hmm. uh, and something interesting about my neighbor's Jim matters actually is that um it played in New York as part of like a Ghibli film festival in 2001, I think,
3: mm.
2: and um, at the time uh, the uh, the screenwriter Michael Arndt was living in in New York, and he went to go and see the Ghibli movies, and he was obviously like blown away by Miyazaki stuff, <laughs> and he was struggling on a script. He was struggling writing a script himself actually at the time, and he saw My Neighbors of Yamadas, and he was able to then go back to his script after watching My Neighbors, Your Madders. And because he felt that that film um, successfully depicted like a, defunct- a dysfunctional family in a loving way, in exactly the sort of way that he was trying to get his script to work. Mm. And the script he was working on was Little Miss Sunshine. Oh! oh. So without my neighbors Yamadas, you wouldn't actually have Little Miss Sunshine.
1: Oh which, wow! It
2: seems like a really odd like line to draw,
3: <laughs>
0: but
2: it's true. And he's actually one of the biggest Takahata fans. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. Interesting.
2: Yeah. Um. I really like My Neighbors Yamadas. Actually, it's really fun. Like. It, it is long. It's way too long. <laughs> but it's it's a it's a little bit like The Simpsons at times in how like it, it is a dysfunctional family and it's not a perfect world and they do argue and rail r- up against each other.
0: Atau- the
2: new- <laughs> uh,
0: there's an interest. There's a review of that that's been published on AFA this week. For oh Twitter. right!
2: Oh fantastic!
0: Yeah. So. It all ties in nicely. Did he like <laughs> it? Oh yeah, yeah, he loves it. Good. <laughs> it it's it's another Stone Cold AFA classic. Woohoo!
2: Well, it's it's really like it's one of the Ghibli movies. I could imagine, you know, being an HMV faced with all the uh, the covers there facing you on, on on the DVDs. Probably not being so keen on. Mm -hmm. you know because it does look very simple and it's I mean structurally it's it's like a comic it's like a compilation movie it's a bit more like the um, the Peanuts movie Mm -hmm. than a Ghibli movie really
0: yeah it is it is like a newspaper comic isn't it yeah it's it's based
2: on a a newspaper comic strip which is which is really why it's so simple visually mm-hmm So yeah, interesting.
1: Anything else you yeah. guys want to talk about, or?
2: I don't know. There's so much. It's like he's he's seventy. How old is he? He's he's like seventy-four. No, he's I he's think. seventy-nine. He's eighty he's he, or something.
0: Yeah, I was going to say he's more like seventy-eight, seventy-nine. I think. I think he's eighty odd.
2: So you know, it's quite a quite a feat to uh, try, try and um, you know encompass. Like that career in um in a, in, a, in a short time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's, uh,
1: he's he's done a lot. He has done a whole heck of a lot.
2: He he has, and, I, and I, I'm pleased that people are like finally getting into him because of like theatrical releases like Princess Kaguya and the re-release of only yesterday. Um.
1: Well, it's funny because I know with um. At least with the, the other films like the, you know My Neighbor's the Amadas and uh, Pom poco and other uh, you know Ghibli films that he's worked on. I mean, you could watching those films. I'm sure you could tell like that there's a this, you know there the difference in style between those and the other Miyazaki films. But I'm sure at least for a lot of people who don't know a whole lot about him, would just assume those were also Miyazaki's handiwork when they really weren't. That's yeah, that's true,
2: and unfortunately that's. Kind of what happened with the later um, Ghibli movies. I've seen people mistake Arietti for a Miyazaki film. And,
1: yeah, when it's not.
3: Yeah.
2: No, no, not at all. But I think Takahata really is pers- someone who doesn't deserve that because his films, if you bother to look at them, are not really like Miyazaki. Yeah, um, there,
1: there are there are enough tells to in in the the storytelling and the way and the pacing and just overall look of the film especially in the case of um only yesterday and, Kagu- and Kaguya that this is definitely yeah. someone else's work
2: Yeah but yeah it,
1: isn't, it is an
0: interesting point the fact that he seems to be being discovered more in in his own right now mm. And I don't I don't know if it was if it was basically Princess Kaguya that did it It might have what. been
1: it might have been cuz that came first and then now we're then we got they're getting the re-release of only yesterday
0: mm-hmm. so
1: people are like no guys there was this mo- there was this movie that came out so you know a couple couple years back that never that you know was never brought overseas and people are just getting to see that and just discovering how awesome it is like case in point myself being able to get the opportunity to see that movie and for the first time and just you know it's just like there's this whole realm of beautiful work that you know he, spe- he spearheaded this is where people are getting more more familiar with now that you're kind of getting a resurgence of his movies now that Miyazaki is officially retired I think sort of kind of maybe
0: from features,
1: mm-hmm.
2: from from features yeah so. I, I heard that he he wants to like work on yeah more shorts but
0: yeah someone time... said he's got plans for three more Ghibli museum
2: shorts Three? I thought he was just doing one. Come on. Well, he's doing no.
0: He's he's doing one at the moment, but someone in the know says he's got plans for three more. So.
2: And Takahata has apparent is apparently planning uh, another feature.
0: Yeah, he's he said that he's not done. Mm. Other other than say, no, the uh you're done. <laughs> he's like
1: no, I'm not. Other than the red turtle that he's yeah, not, you know, he's, yeah, he's, he's the artistic producer, but another film after that
2: yeah there's a story that he has been working on for a while and i've 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 seen him talk about it for a few years on and off about um i'm gonna get this wrong about like young girls who were living after babies for some reason. I think it might be related to the war oh. um uh, but yeah I think he He's just a really important uh animation director really and he's silently had a big influence on you know on, on animation, I think. Not just in Japan. I mean certainly in Japan but 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 worldwide. I don't think you'd have people like Satoshi Kong or uh or Oshii really uh without Takahata. Like showing that mm-hmm. you can realistically depict, you know, quite quite mundane daily day to day things in animation. <laughs> uh, Interesting.
1: He's definitely yeah. He's he's he def- his work has definitely set a bar.
2: Yeah, oh, Al- one, along one, with one.
1: Miyazaki, just just really set a yeah really high bar in terms of what Japanese animation can do.
2: Yeah, you know, one thing he said was that he he, th- he thinks that th- so the re- reason he includes all these all these miniature details and of of supposedly mundane things is he says that like live action films uh, are so common that they sort of almost become part of reality. So he doesn't think that audiences really watch live action features that carefully. However, when you're watching something in animation, you just notice it more. And because that's kind of true. Because it's able to capture things that you do, in a weird sort of way, it reflects a more solid reality than how things actually are. Ooh. So that's why in Only Yesterday, you have like him tirelessly showing the process through which they turn the safflower into rouge.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: um you know on the, on the farm there because you notice it and it's true you do notice it and you and the the scenes are memorable uh perhaps just because they're animated
1: I can I can totally
0: believe that and I think that if you want to know more about more specific films then you can listen to our back episodes you can listen to One episode where we talked about the tale of Princess Kaguya Mm -hmm. as our main topic. And we also did an Only Yesterday one. Well, you two talked about Only Yesterday. (laughs) uh, Because I I still haven't seen it.
1: One Um, day, Chris. One day.
0: One day. um, But I imagine we will return to Takahata once again, another time. and We may even do more of his films for specific episodes. But even though we've talked about it a lot and probably we should call it a day but <laughs> there won't be the last you've heard of us talking about tech author, I would say mm-hmm, definitely <laughs> yeah. and it's been another fun show uh, thank you for joining us uh, if you enjoyed the episode then perhaps maybe you'd like to leave us a little review on the place where you found the podcast like on iTunes or um, Stitcher or podcast.com Maybe give us a little rating. That'd be nice. And, hey, if you leave us a nice review, you can let us know and where we can find it. And we might even read it on the show. Who knows?
1: That'd be awesome. Uh, and, hey, if you have anyone's ever got any suggestions what we could cover for future episodes, you know, send us, you know, send us a message, because we would love to be able to expand our topics. Yeah, drop
0: us an email at podcast at com, And... Also you can find us on Facebook, uh you can find us on Tumblr, you can find us on Pinterest, Google Plus, and you can find us of course on Twitter at AFA Blog. If you'd like to, you could also find us on Patreon, uh where if you would like to become a patron from one dollar a month, uh you can get some extra extended length episodes and also other bonus episodes and things that are in the works at the moment, we will be able to tell you more in the future. <laughs> <laughs> and you can help help us produce more episodes and content and all sorts of things and help us keep going. Then that would be awesome. And you can also follow us at AFA blog on Twitter. And you can find Dan. Where can you find you, Dan?
2: You can find me on Twitter at hamu
0: And Rachel.
1: And you can find me on Twitter at Fail2Ninja.
0: Awesome. And you'll find me at Mr. Crystal uh, on Twitter and on Facebook. And we will catch you soon where we will join you can join us for episode forty-three. So good night everybody. Take care. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.